Well, we're in a uh, part three of a series called It's Complicated, and I've titled today's message, Change Your Swing. Change Your Swing. I'll, I'll never forget the first time I went golfing. I was in my early 20s, 22, 23 years old. I was a, a traveling evangelist, and I was preaching in the state of Indiana. I was traveling around the nation full-time at the time, and, and I, was, I was speaking at a church in, from a Sunday through a Wednesday. And you can keep in mind, I'm in my early 20s. I just graduated from college. I was playing, I played college football, so I was about 25, 30 pounds heavier than I am now. It was muscle, baby. I was buff, somebody. Come on. That's right. Just try to visualize it. I was about 30 pounds heavier, and I'm out going to play golf with the pastor. He said, after Sunday service, he said, hey, I'm going to pick you up tomorrow. Let's go play golf together. Sure, I'll come play, and I thought, I'm going to wear this old man out, you know, because back in my early 20s, I thought he was old. He was in his mid-40s, but now that I'm in my 40s, he was a young man, somebody. He was a young man, and, and so we went out to play golf together, and I think I'm going to kill it, man. I'm trying to figure out. He's trying to coach me. I'm like, man, don't coach me. I got this. I got, I'm hitting the golf ball, and the ball is going in the water. It's going in the trees. It's, it's, going, it's going everywhere except for where I want it to go. And, and you know what I start to do? Anybody ever done this before? Maybe you played golf before, uh, and, and you hit the ball, and you start screaming at it in your mind. Left. Left turn. Stop. Further. Shorter. Don't go in the tree. Don't go. And it wasn't working for me. That man whooped my tail in golf. Listen, here's what I learned about golf. No matter how much you scream at the ball, when the ball is in flight, no matter how much you scream at it, yell at it, pray for it, hope for it, it doesn't do any good. When that ball is in air, can I tell you, you can't do anything about it. And I got mad at the golf ball, but it wasn't the golf ball's fault where it was ending up. The golf ball was ending up where it was supposed to end up. And you know what I learned? The only way that I was going to ever get the golf ball to, to go a different direction than it was going is I was going to have to get some lessons and change my swing. The problem was never with the golf ball. The problem was with my, my swing. And, and what I've learned is that relationships are a lot like golf. When a relationship is in flight and people don't like the direction of the relationship, they start complaining. They, they start complaining and whining and nagging. They get upset. They scream. They yell. They tell their friends. They tell their parents. They don't like the direction of the relationship. I've, I've heard married couples complain and say, well, I don't, you know, we're just drifting apart. We don't like each other anymore. Our intimacy, our sex life is, is nothing. We, we, just, we, we just always yell and argue and fuss and fight. We're just falling out of love, and, and, and they're, they're complaining about the relationship. But, friends, can I tell you, when it comes to relationships, complaining about your marriage or, or, or when it comes to a dating relationship, it's in flight, and you just start complaining about the dating relationship, complaining about your fiancé, complaining about a coworker, complaining about your, your child. You, you're complaining about the relationship and the relationship is already in flight, it just does no good. It's like screaming at a golf ball in flight. It just does no good. Let me say this to you. 
the relationship you should have, you do have. The marriage you should have, you do have. The dating relationship that you should have, you do have. The relationship with your coworkers or students at your school that you should have, you do have. You say, Pastor, this is sounding pretty deep. Explain it to me. Why do I have it? Let me tell you why. Because you have it. Yeah. You see, friends, your relationship is only going in the trajectory based upon your swing. And what happens is this. The relationship is going in a certain direction, and it's because of our swing. And we get so focused on the outcome that we lose sight of the process that's producing the outcome. We're screaming at the relationship that's already in flight and it's only going in that direction because of our input, because of our swing. And then we spend all of our time focused on the output. And what I'm telling you today is your relationships will begin to adjust when you begin to focus on the process, on the swing that's producing the outcome in the relationship. You're 50% of every relationship. So you have to ask yourself, what are you putting into that relationship that is causing it to go in the direction that it is going? And if you can back all the way up and quit screaming at the relationship, quit getting mad at the relationship, and go back all the way up and say, what do I need to shift? What do I need to adjust in my relationship swing to get a different outcome? Here's what I want to do today. I want to give you four adjustments to your relationship swing, four adjustments to your relationship swing. I, I worked hard on this message, and I'm telling you, I put all my creativity into this message today, and all the points, the first letter of each word is going to spell golf. Come on, somebody. The preacher worked hard this week is all I want you to know, all right, now, All right. Golf. I want to talk to you about changing your relationship swing. Remember, if you adjust your swing, your relationship will adjust. If you'll change the input, then the output will change. Adjust your swing. Number one is this, grow in Christ-likeness. Grow, grow in Christ-likeness. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, pick up reading at verse 3. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. And the reality is we do a lot out of selfish ambition. But it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. And, and most people aren't genuinely concerned about the interest of others. He goes on to say, in your relationships, notice the focus, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So the question is, what kind of mindset did Christ have? If we discover and, and then apply this, this, this Christ-like mindset to our relationships, the outcomes will begin to change. So, so let's look at the mindset Christ had, verse 6. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Did you catch this? Christ was a servant. Christ didn't come from heaven to earth to be served. He came from heaven to earth 
to serve others. He served his disciples and even washed their feet. He served us by dying on the cross of Calvary. He took our place. We should have died a horrific death because of our sin, but he served us and took our place and died on our behalf. Christ was a servant. And if we will adjust our relationship swing and become a servant, it will impact the trajectory of our relationship. You see, what happens is oftentimes we focus on, instead of how to outserve one another, we focus on how to outselfish one another. And you have to make the adjustment. You say, I'm going to shift and begin to outserve in my relationships instead of outselfish in my relationships. And, and I've been selfish. I look at almost 20 years of marriage to Tiffany, and I can look at times I have been selfish. I have wanted it my way. I have caused pain and hurt because of a mindset of serve me, serve me. And I've had to make an adjustment. I've had to make a, a shift in my relationship swing and say, you know what my relationship is about with my wife, with others, is how do I outserve her? How do I outserve other people? There's a book called His Needs, Her Needs. It's by Dr. Willard Harley. And in this book, His Needs, Her Needs, Dr. Harley has done research and he has come up with the top five needs of a wife and a husband. I want to just take a few moments and share these top five needs. As I do, if you're married, ask yourself this question, how do I better serve my spouse in these areas? You're single, one day some of you will be married. Ask yourself, how do when I get married, how do I serve the person I marry in these areas? A a woman's top needs are this. Number one, conversation. Ask yourself, man, how do you serve? Her marriages fall apart because of selfishness. How do you serve her with conversation? If you missed last week, I I gave a powerful nugget last week. I taught you about the four most romantic words that any man can say to his wife, the the four most romantic words. And then what happened? And Be quiet and listen. And then what? Did you try that this week, man? And then... What happens? She needs communication. Serve her with communication. You know what what else she needs? Dr. Harley says openness and honesty. You have to be vulnerable. You know, you have to take off the toughness and just be vulnerable. Be trustworthy. Build your relationship. She needs this from you. Openness and honesty. Serve her in this way. She needs affection. Now, Now, men, understand something. Affection is different than sex. Come on, all the women say, amen, pastor. Tell the truth. Amen. She needs affection. She needs you to be able to hold her hand, to hold her, to show affection, to open the door for her still. Go open the car door for her. Show show affection. She she needs this from you. Dr. Harley says she needs financial support. She, she, She needs security. Work hard to provide security. For your wife, she, she craves that. She, it's a need. How, do, how can you serve her and make her more secure? Dr. Harley says she, she needs commitment to family. Here's what I would say to all of us men. Outside of your relationship with Jesus Christ, make your wife number one. Let her know she's number one priority in your life. And let me tell you how you spell love to your wife. T-I-M-E, love. Carve out time. Spend time. Let her know she, 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 she comes before anything else in your life outside of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Serve her by being committed to the family. 
What, what, what are a, a man's top needs? And, and all of the wives can begin to ask, how can I better serve my husband's needs? Dr. Harley says the top five are, number one, sex. I'm not going to say anything else. I just say he needs this, ladies. He needs this. All the men say, amen, pastor. Preach the truth. Recreational companionship. He needs it. Ask yourself, ladies, how can I be his best friend? How can I have some, some of my interests be his interests? How can I serve him by recreational companionship, being his best friend? He needs this. An attractive spouse, Dr. Harley says, is important to men, an attractive spouse. Uh, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. But ask yourself this question, how can I look my best for him? He needs domestic support. He needs support in the home. He needs a peaceful home. How can you better serve him in this way? Dr. Harley says men need admiration and respect. Ladies, can I tell you, your husband longs for your respect. He longs to be admired by you. He, man, he, he, he desires for you to be his biggest cheerleader. And you know what we have to do in relationships? Live to outserve one another instead of outselfish one another. Number two is this. Number two is this. There's, there's a second. If we look at the word golf, number two is over-communicate. Over-communicate. And here's what I learned about all types of relationships, whether it be a dating relationship, a, a marriage relationship, co-workers, people at school. Here's what I learned about relationships. Most people struggle in the area of communication. Most people struggle with it. There was a husband and wife. They had been married for years. And they got in an argument. It was heated. They were mad at each other, and they decided, we're going to give each other the silent treatment. So they're not going to talk to each other. So they spent two days not talking to him, just mad, upset, angry, going in the kitchen, getting food, looking at each other, not talking. Come on, so you've been there before, you know. They're just mad, fired up because of, of the argument they had. And it was two days later, and the husband was getting ready to go to bed, and, and he needed his wife's help. He knew the next morning he needed to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to catch a flight. He had a business trip to Chicago. He needed to catch this early morning flight that was booked for him. And so, and so he, you know what, he, he knew he's not an early riser. He knew his wife was an early riser, and she could ensure that he got up on time. But he was too prideful to break the silence. He said, I'm not talking to her. So he got a pen and paper and wrote out, please wake me up at 5 a.m. tomorrow. And he hands it to her and walks away. I'm not breaking. I'm not talking. I'm not talking to you. He goes to bed, sleeps, wakes up in the morning. When he wakes up, he looks at the clock. It's 8.30 in the morning. He is mad. He's upset. He is angry. He's getting ready to go in the kitchen and ask his wife now, why didn't you wake me up? As he's getting out of bed, he notices on the little dresser next to the bed, there's a note that says, wake up. It's 5 a.m. This couple needed to adjust their communication swing. They need some adjustment here. And friends, if you adjust your communication swing, it will improve your relationships. I want to quickly give you three communication adjustments. Three communication adjustments. Very practical, biblical and practical. If you will make these adjustments, it will start changing the direction of your relationship. Number one is this, seek to understand, not to be understood. 
Seek to understand, not to be understood. Most people, when they're in a, when they're communicating with someone, they're communicating to be understood. They're coming from the vantage point of, I want you to understand me. Shift it. Adjust this. How can I understand you? Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. You see, when you listen to others, when you don't listen to others, can I tell you, you're being foolish. When, when, when you think you're always right, so you don't listen to the other person's point of view, you're being foolish. When you don't take time to truly understand the other person's perspective and point of view, you're being foolish. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, verse 13, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. And some of you have to stop spouting off. You're, you're, you're always talking. You don't ever listen to the other person's point of view. That's poor communication skills. Listen and begin to seek to understand the other person's perspective. Uh, understand the other person's point of view and realize this, it's oftentimes going to be different than yours. As you listen, you realize that their, their, their point of view will probably be different than yours, and it doesn't make them wrong. Listen. Get, get, get their point of view. You, you have to ask a lot of questions to, others, to understand the other person's point of view. Ask questions. Stop assuming. In so many relationships, people just assume. Well, you, well that's what you said. No, I said one sentence. Then you cut me off, and then you fill in the blank with the rest of it. You've got to stop that. You'll never improve your relationship unless you change the swing and go, now, what do you mean? Explain it to me. Now, what are you saying? Are you saying, ask questions because you have to stop seeking to be understood and begin to seek to understand. You, you have to listen instead of just thinking up your next response while the other person's talking. Come on, how many of you can be guilty of that? I know I can at times. You know, somebody's talking and you're, 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 you're pretending like you're listening, but really you're formulating your response back because you're like, when they get done, I'm going to give it to them. Don't, no. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. You have to seek to understand, not to be understood. It's a, it's a communication adjustment. Number two is this. A second communication adjustment is be gentle, not harsh. Be gentle, not harsh. I'm convinced that this adjustment would have such a positive impact on so many relationships. Be, be gentle, not harsh. And I know somebody's right now going right now, I'm not harsh. That's, that's what I'm talking about right now. That right there, is what, that's what I'm talking about. Like that's hurting your communication. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh Harsh words make tempers flare. We have to be honest with ourselves. I have to be honest with myself at times. You know, some of you, you, you have to say, you know, I'm harsh. You can be mean. You, you're hard to talk to because how you phrase words and the tone that you use. And understand this, when you're harsh with your words, when your tone is off, you're hindering communication. And communication is vital. It's crucial to having a good relationship. And if you're harsh and you're hindering communication, you're only hindering your relationship. You're not happy. The, the ball is going in a direction. I don't understand why the relationship is going like this. Because you're being harsh. You're being harsh. Proverbs chapter number 15 verse 4 says, gentle words 
bring life and health. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Are your words bringing life? Are they bringing health? Is your tone and body language bringing life, bringing health? Gentle words bring life and health. You You have to adjust your communication. Number three here on adjusting communication is build up instead of tearing down. It's it's just an adjustment. If you will focus on, I'm going to use my words to build the other person up instead of tearing the other person down. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 18 says, some people make cutting, notice this, cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. And we live in a society where cutting remarks are viewed in a positive light. You know, people can be demeaning, talk down to other people, and it's, it's kind of looked at as, as humorous. Or, or people are just sarcastic towards other people, sarcastic, and they're, just, they're, 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 they're sarcastic and tear other people down, cut them with their words. And, and we, we view that in our society today as they're just quick-witted. No, no, you're tearing down. And the way that you're communicating with the people that you love, you're, you're tearing down, not building up. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only, notice that, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Come on, ask yourself this question. Do you need to adjust your swing? When you communicate with your, your spouse, your friends, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your fiance, your parents, your child, your co-workers, your boss, your employees, are you building up or are you tearing down? Make the adjustment and watch the impact it will have on your relationships when you begin to build up versus tearing down. Number three is this. We're looking at golf. We're looking at golf. We're looking at golf. Number three is this. Learn how to stay in love. Learn how to stay in love. All of you that have ever fallen in love, falling in love is amazing. I'll never forget when Tiffany and I were falling in love. And in my early 20s, I was 21, 2021, falling in love with Tiffany. We were both at the university at, at college, and we met. And, I mean, we just spent all kinds of time together. We, we would hang out together. We went to church together. We would go out to eat. We just wanted to spend every waking moment together that we could. We would study together. I remember sitting outside of her dorm room, and there was a curfew, but I would stay all the way to the last second of the curfew just to talk to Tiffany. And then she would get to her dorm room, and I would go to my dorm room. And then when we got to each other's dorm, dorm rooms, we would call each other. We just spent four hours together. Now we're on the phone and we're talking and we just, you know, we're falling in love. We couldn't hang up, you know. You hang up. No, you hang up. You hang up. You hang up. No, you hang up. You hang up. You hang up. You're just falling in love. Come on. Now you're getting married. Come on. You hang up with the quickness. Now get the kids. You got the kids? Are you going to go get the girl? All right, bye. You know what I'm saying? But falling in love. It's amazing. Listen to what the Bible says about love between a husband and wife. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18, may your fountain be blessed. May you rejoice. Come on, I want everybody to say rejoice. Catch that word. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Here's God's plan. God's plan is for a husband and wife to grow old together and to rejoice in the love they share. 
He goes on to say this in verse 19, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Come on, all the locations, everybody say, intoxicated. Yeah, you can't say that very often in church, can you, huh? That's right, yeah. yeah. You said that in church just now. God's plan is for a husband and wife to be intoxicated with each other until death do them part. And a lot of marriages, you know, you're dating, you're falling in love, and you get married, marriages start off with this hot burning fire, and then over time, marriages, the, the, the fire of marriage can begin to, to go down to a flicker. Sometimes it ends up going out altogether, and there's no fire. And you know what I've learned about marriage? Marriage, love is a lot like a fireplace. You have a fireplace that requires wood. It takes a lot of work to get that fireplace going and to keep the, the, the fire hot. You, you got to go out and gather the wood and then go put the wood in the fireplace. And when the fire is burning, you're sitting back on your couch enjoying the fireplace. But, but you know what happens? That wood starts to get burned down. And so you got to get up and put some more wood into the fireplace. And, and let me tell you something. If that fireplace ever gets out of fire, it's not the fireplace's fault. The only reason fireplaces run out of fire it's because people stop putting wood in the fireplace. Because it takes work to get off the couch and to get some wood and to put it in the fireplace. It takes work. But I, I do want you to understand that if your fireplace is going out of fire, that I want you to know the fireplace can burn again. You have to make some adjustments. You have to adjust your relationship swing, but the fireplace can burn. Again, you say, Pastor, how, how? How can the fireplace burn again? Let me tell you how. First of all is this, get past your feelings. Get past your feelings. Feelings follow action, not the other way around. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like putting in the fire. Well, you're never going to have a fire in the fireplace. You got to get past your feelings and, and act. You got to start loving again, serving one another again, going on a date again, talking again, being intimate again. You got to say, I don't feel like doing any of that. Get over your feelings, get some wood, and start putting it in the fireplace, and the feelings will follow. But if you're waiting to put wood in the fireplace until you feel like it, your fireplace is going to go out of fire. It takes work. You got to put fire. Wood in the fireplace. Get past your feelings and put wood in the fireplace. Uh, here, here's a second one. You say, Pastor, how do you get the fire burning again when the fire is going out? Realize your marriage is not beyond repair. It's not beyond repair. You say, Pastor, our flame has went down to a little flicker. There's just no way. No, 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 no. Yes, you can get that fire burning hot again. You just got to get some more wood. I'm not telling you it's easy. I'm telling you it's work. Get some more wood and put it in the, don't scream at the fireplace going, the fireplace is getting out of fire. That's your fault. Get some more wood. Love again. Serve again. Date again. Be kind again. Put a card on the pillow again. Give some chocolate again. Massage the feet again. Come on, work at it. 
put some fire, some wood on the fireplace. Somebody says, but Pastor, you don't understand. We don't have any fire left in our fireplace. The fire's been out a long time. There's not even the ashes in that bad boy. It's, it's just empty. And granted, granted, if that's where you are in your marriage relationship, it takes a lot more work to get a fire started when there's no fire at all. It's much easier to add a log when there's just a little flame left. It's much easier. But can I tell you, even if there's no fire at all in your fireplace, you can still get the fire burning again. You may have to get some, get some wood. You may have to get some paper, put it in that bad boy, some matches, some gasoline. I'm t- but you can get, I'm telling you, you can get the fire burning again if you will just work at it. Don't, don't go by your feelings. Don't think it's hopeless with God. All things are possible if you'll get some wood and begin to put it in the fireplace. Here's the third thing that's key to, to adjusting to get the fire burning again, and that is stop looking for new fireplaces. You, you can never get your fire going again when you're off looking at a new fireplace. Focus on your own fireplace. You say, Pastor, my fireplace has issues. I know it's got issues. So does that other one. You just don't know it yet. You're in that phase of, oh, you're so cute. You're so fire. You blow my mouth. Woo, you're pretty, pretty, pretty. They got issues. You'll find them out. Keep doing what you're trying to do. They got as many issues as the one you got. At least you know these issues. You better get you some wood and get that fire going. Quit focusing on other fireplaces. You can't get a fire going in your own fireplace focusing on other fireplaces. Pastor, I'm telling you the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. No, it's not. And if it is, the water bill is higher. That's it. Somebody's working that thing. Somebody got the sprinklers going. Somebody's fertilizing. Preach, pastor. I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best. It takes work. For Tiffany and I, it's been almost 20 years this year. It's not easy. Our fire's burning, but I'm telling you, we work hard at it. We're going to date once a week. We're communicating all the time. We're putting logs on the fire. We're We're working through problems. We're working on intimacy. We're working on communication. We are working to be one, to stay one flesh, not just in the spirit, but practically. We we work hard at it. And if you will put wood in your fireplace, your fire can burn again. Number four is this. We're looking at golf, 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 golf. Number four is forgive. Forgive. Some of your marriages, some of you in other relationships are having an undesired output because you're inputting unforgiveness, grudges, bitterness into the relationship. People's church, if you want your marriage to be better, if you want your friendships to be better, if you want your dating to be better, if you want your relationship with your coworkers at your school with people to be better, you have to constantly forgive. People are imperfect. They will hurt you. They will let you down. And if you don't choose to forgive, it's going to hinder, hurt, and potentially destroy your relationships. Listen, my wife and I have hurt each other more than we can count. We have done things unintentionally and intentionally that have hurt, hurt one another. 
We have said things we wish we could take back. We have hurt each other throughout almost 20 years of marriage. We've hurt each other. We've had to learn to forgive one another. Tiffany's had to learn to forgive a whole lot more than me. But we've had to forgive, we've had to forgive one another. Listen, the reason our relationship is burning bright today is forgiveness. Forgiving over and over and over again. And some of you today are holding on to grudges in your relationships. You're bitter, you're angry. Some of you are bitter at somebody else and it's spilling over into your relationship because you won't forgive that person that's impacting your current relationship. Hear my heart today. Would you let go? Would you give it to God? Would you forgive? I know it's not easy. I, I have been bitter at people in the past. People hurt you. And it's not easy to forgive. But I'm telling you, it's going to destroy you on the inside. And it's going to damage your relationships. You have to learn to forgive and give it to the Lord. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has grievances against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. What keeps relationships strong is we have to continually adjust our swing and forgive. Let's let's quickly review. Let's quickly review. Check out this slide. Let's review together. Let's review together. First, we said you've got to grow in Christ-likeness. Serve, serve, serve. You have to over communicate. You got to work on your communication techniques. You got to work at it, work at it. I have to work at it in every relationship that I have. I got to work on communicating. You have to learn to stay in love. It's work. It's adding wood. You have to learn you have to learn how to stay in love. You know, people love to fall in love, but you got to learn how to stay in love. And you got to forgive. You have to forgive. 